come to this passage first. Let me pray, and then I will ask you that you stand. Uh, I know we read 24 verses a few minutes ago, and that was way too long to stand. These 21 verses aren't as long as aren't anywhere close to as long as those 24 verses were. So, uh, but <clears throat> let's uh, let's pray together uh, as we come to God's holy and infallible Word. Our great God and our King, we come uh, to open your word together and uh, ask uh, that you would be at work in it and and through it even now, uh, that you, O Holy Spirit, would uh, open minds uh, to understand, ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to embrace uh, the truth of your word and the beauty of Christ as our shepherd. We ask all of this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. If you're able, would you please stand as we uh, give our attention to the reading of God's word. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd does not own, uh, who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as The father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Back when Nancy and I were dating um, forever ago, uh, she had she had friends. There was this there was a family in their church that um, 
lived kind of near Furman, just outside the, the gate at Furman University. And uh, their kids, their daughter and son, were flower girl ring bear in our wedding. Um, and, and I'm realizing right at this moment that I've never actually found out why, but they had sheep. They had a small little pen and a little hut and two sheep. And, and now I regret never asking them why they had sheep. They also had a chocolate lab named Olive. She was a joy. But we went to visit them a couple of times. I don't know, probably, probably not as many as I sort of feel like, but I, I, in my head, I had this sort of vision of the challenge, right? Who cares about the people? There are sheep. My job, my great goal in life, every time we went to their house, was to get those sheep to come to me. Like I would get out of the car, and I'd go straight to the pen. Come. I would try everything, right? Fake treats. You do, you do the whole thing, you know, all the things. Of course, Olive would run over and lick me and jump on me, and she was fun. I never touched the sheep. They, instead of come, they understood the word come to be go into your little hut where no human hands can reach in and touch you. And I still have no idea why they even had them. John 10, Jesus uses a, a parable, a story. Uh, verse 6 calls it a figure of speech. It's a, a story about Sheep and shepherds and, and the pens they live in, the sheepfold. And um, I, I only mention that because you and I tend to think of, of stories, of parables, of metaphors, of, of these kinds of illustrations as, you know, illustrations. That things designed to make us understand, to make the truth of what Jesus is saying clearer to us. And yet, twice... Verse 6, verse 19, the audience didn't get it. The reality is, sometimes Jesus actually tells these stories not just to make them clearer to everybody, but sometimes to make them unclearer, less clear, there we go, to other people. In fact, that's exactly the... Uh, the explanation he gives in Matthew 13 after the parable of the sower. So you understand because I've given it to you to understand. They don't understand because this parable actually is designed, is intended to keep them in the dark. I find it fascinating that we come to Jesus' stories in a way and with the assumption presupposing that this is designed to help everybody understand. If it's that clear, then why, verse 6, do they not understand what he's saying? And why, verse 19, are they still confused and divided because they have no idea what he's saying? See, you and I, it would make sense if we didn't understand because I don't think we have any shepherds here. I've been to a lot of your houses. I haven't seen any sheep. We don't have quite the exposure to sheep life. That they would have had. There were sheep and fields and shepherds all over the place. I mean, they, that would have, this would have been clearer to them. The story itself would have been clearer to them than it is even to us. But the reality is, Jesus' stories divide. They divide those who are given ears to hear and those who are not. Or this. 
This story, this passage, um, really could be broken into a couple of different places. We could spend a lot more time on it than uh, we are going to. Um, but I simply want uh, to see two things in this passage today. And the first is the imposter shepherds. Uh, Jesus begins with a story of people who, in order to get into the pen, have to climb over the fence, have to sort of dive through the hedgerow, have to figure out a way in because they can't walk over to the gate because they don't have the key. They can't unlock it. They can't simply stand at the door and go, hey, gatekeeper guy, it's me. Open the door. He's going to go, I don't know me. I don't know who you are. I don't know your voice. I don't know your name. It's a picture of... um, what appears to be really a shared pen, it was, it was common enough that, um, that at night or traveling or in different places, you, you just a bunch of shepherds would put all their sheep into a pen and they would pay a dude to sleep at the gate so that his job was to sort of stand between the sheep and this doorway so they couldn't get out, so nobody else could get in, and the shepherds could, you know, go home and sleep. Um, and the, there's this picture of all these 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 sheep in this pen and there's a, a gatekeeper there's somebody there who's who's keeping watch over um, the flocks and and guarding and protecting them and the only one the only people that had access to the sheep were the actual shepherds but notice there's this there's this idea verse three that that if there's more than one flock in this pen the shepherd would stand outside and he would say his thing he would make his voice he would he would make his call right with with a chocolate lab it's simply hey and that's all you need they'll come running but, but whatever the voice is, whatever the, the call is that the shepherd's supposed to give, his sheep go, I know that voice. And they come out of the pen and they come out to him. The other sheep in the pen go, I have no idea who that is. I'm not, dare, I don't dare go out there. I'm not going out because I don't know that voice. So in verse 3, there's this, the sheep hear the the voice of the shepherd, the one who's supposed to come and get them, and they follow him out. But the imposter shepherds, the the ones, the people that that would cause trouble, that, that would be shepherds or that want to be shepherds or for whatever reason are trying to get into the pen and, and cause some sort of trouble, the gatekeeper doesn't know them. He won't open the door. He won't let them in. So they have to... They have to climb in by another way, verse 1. They have to hop the wall. They have to, um, you know, whatever sort of makeshift pen they've created, whether it's an actual sort of fenced-in enclosure or whether it's sort of a, a place out in the woods where they found a little bit of rock and a little hedgerow and they can sort of create a makeshift door. Whatever they've done, the, the imposters have to find some way in. Part of the picture is that these imposter shepherds pose a, a threat to the sheep. I, I'm cheating, right? You understand I'm cheating. 
There's, they're not shepherds. I mean, they're not imposter shepherds. They're, they're not shepherds at all, but it just makes the illustration, it makes the, the outline a little, I don't know, easier, I suppose. Because the, the passage actually calls them things like, verse 1, thieves and robbers. Calls them in verse 8, thieves and robbers. That, for us, thief and robber, we kind of go, yeah, that's like saying the same thing twice. It, it, they're a little more nuanced than that. The thief wants to steal. The robber probably is causing bodily harm either to the shepherd or to the gatekeeper or to the sheep themselves. There's, there's injury involved. The point is that these imposter shepherds are... Well, they intend harm for the sheep. They don't, they don't intend the good of the sheep. They're not there to, to care for the sheep the way a, a true uh, shepherd would. They're strangers in verse 5. They're hired hands in verses 12 and 13. And, and in verses 12 and 13, danger comes. The danger isn't from the hired hands so much as from wolves, from lions and tigers and bears and such. And when they show up, when they arrive, when they come running out of the woods at the sheep, the hired hand says, I mean, it's just a little sheep. They don't, they don't retrieve, right? You can't take them duck hunting. You can't, what are you going to do? It's not a whole lot of meat really. In, in a lot of these, I mean, okay, the wool, whatever. I mean, th- they sort of decide that, you know, you're on a hillside and there's a, there's a wolf coming. And they decide it's better to take care of myself. It's better to save myself. I mean, the human, right? The pinnacle of God. We could even make an argument from creation. Well, but I mean, if man is the pinnacle of God's creation, then... I, by all means, should be the one that gets saved. And if the sheep all get, me, get, get eaten up, whatever, so be it. If they all get destroyed, so be it. The hired hand cares more about his income than about the sheep. He cares more about himself than he does the sheep. He's an imposter shepherd. He's not a, a shepherd at all. And because they're... Thieves and robbers and hired hands who run away when the going gets tough. They're actually a danger to the sheep. It's actually to the, to the sheep's harm that these people exist. And for that matter, it's for the sheep's harm that these people want access to the sheep. Does it shock you at all? Does it come... We we have the the advantage, I suppose, maybe even the disadvantage as you preach through books like this. It's been a whole week since we were in John 9. But, but if you sat down this afternoon and just started reading at John 1 and, and read through the end of John 12, for example, and just went straight from 9 to 10... You would make a connection. You would, you would either, one of two things would happen. You would either find yourself thinking, what happened in verse 1 of chapter 10? 
Like we were in this scene and the scene made sense and the events made sense in the end of chapter nine. And then all of a sudden Jesus is talking about sheep and shepherds and a sheepfold. What, what happened? He lost me. Something shifted. We've, we've traded places. We've gone to a new place. There's a new section. But then you read the end of verse 21 and the people standing there, their, their response to this division among the Jews he has a demon. He's insane. That, that can't be true. Because who gives sight to the blind? And immediately you're jolted back to chapter 9. And the entire sort of previous section. And the reason is... Because Jesus is calling these religious leaders... Imposter shepherds. And now you know why we read Ezekiel 34. It wouldn't fit in the bulletin. That's why we made you open your Bible when we, for our Old Testament reading. Because back in chapter 9, Jesus gave sight to this blind man. He was born blind. never had been able to see. It's not like, well, if I could just reconnect these wires. You know, these, the wires split. If I could just reconnect them, then things would be... No, he's never seen. Like His eyes have, have never worked. And he performed the miracle on the Sabbath. And that, of course, made the Jewish religious leaders just go crazy. And that, of course, created all sorts of conflict and debate. Because, again, he broke the law. He can't be from God. He broke our Sabbath-keeping laws. Yeah, but he literally gave sight to somebody who's never seen before. Like That's the definition. Only God could do such a thing. And, and do you remember that the religious leaders brought him in for questioning? They asked him about all this sort of stuff. And basically the, the man's only response was, well, all I know is I was blind and now I see. That's all I got. I really, I haven't seen Jesus. I don't, I don't know who this guy is. This guy, Jesus I was blind, but now I see. And the, reli the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders' response was, you're out of the synagogue. We're kicking you out because you have rejected us in favor of Jesus. You've chosen to align yourself with this Jesus, you've chosen to trust in him and and look to him. And so therefore, we are kicking you out of the synagogue. They were more committed to Moses than to Jesus. They were more committed to the law than to grace. And so when this sinner responded in faith to the voice of Christ, all they could do was kick him out. The shepherds of Israel were imposter shepherds. They were people who cared for their own good, their own honor, their own name, their own glory more than they cared for the sheep. And so instead of leading the sheep to Jesus, they sought to kill Jesus and for that matter, punish the sheep that would follow him. 
And so just as in Ezekiel 34, which is surely in the background of John 10, Jesus, God announces that he will one day be the shepherd of his people. It'll be David. You do realize Ezekiel is ages after David. Right? Ezekiel and David weren't contemporaries. Ezekiel wasn't saying, well, of course, David, you know, he's right over there in Jerusalem already, right? He's going to be the... No, no. He's looking ahead to the true David, the promised son of David who would sit on the throne forever. God promises to come and care for his people. We see this picture of the imposter shepherds, but we also then see Jesus as... The good shepherd. These Jewish leaders are, aren't shepherds at all. They care about themselves. They don't care about the sheep. Jesus, however, comes along and says, I am the good shepherd. But what makes him good? What makes Jesus not a, the good shepherd? Well, for one, you see in verse 4, for example. And this is one of those times when other songs run through my head and I'm like, I kind of want to sing all of them on Sunday and just make people sit here for hours and hours. Because trust me, it'll be good for us. But even um, Isaiah 43 runs through my head. He calls you by name. So in verse 4, for example, the sheep hear his voice and, and so they come out. They, they, he knows the sheep generally in verse 3. He knows which sheep belong to him and he calls them out of this pen and they come out and follow him. You see it again in verses 11 and 16. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse uh, 16, um, uh, they will listen to my voice. Part of what makes Jesus the good shepherd is that he he knows his sheep. He knows you. He knows his people. He knows who belongs to him. And the reality is there's even a picture here in verse 15 and 16. He knows even before they do who his sheep are. But he doesn't just know them generally. He knows them specifically because in verse three, he calls his own sheep by name. He knows them. He knows the sound of their bleat. That's a sheep word. It's the only sheep word I know. And wool. Those would be the two sheep words I got. He knows the way they walk. He, 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 he knows things about them that no one else knows could possibly pay attention to. He knows their name. He knows them personally and completely and perfectly. In fact, that sort of raises a little bit the fear of those words, depart from me. I never knew you. You didn't belong to my sheep pen. You weren't in my flock. You never belonged to my flock. 
So part of what makes Jesus the good shepherd is that he knows his sheep, both generally and specifically his and his sheep know him. His sheep recognize his voice. His sheep learn to follow the voice of their shepherd. But he also leads them. He guides and directs them in verse three, for example, they come out. He calls his own sheep and he leads them out. And then they, they come out and follow him wherever he goes. You know, there are two ways you can get sheep to do what you want them to do. You ever watch the videos, like aerial drone video of sheep dogs working? It is absolutely incredible to watch this little black dot zipping back and forth around out in the field and these white dots all moving exactly where he wants them to go. Well, you would too if a dog would bite at your heel and if you didn't go where he wanted you to go. If, if you were going to get nipped by a dog in the back leg, you'd go somewhere too. That's Western. That's not how... Eastern shepherds lead their sheep. In the east, they get out in front and they walk and they call and they talk and they sing. And the sheep go, that's the voice I'm supposed to follow. That, that's the picture here. Jesus sends them out and he, he leads them. It doesn't say he, he goes behind them and whips at them and makes them do what he wants them to do. No, he they follow him. They, they come in behind him. He gets out in front of them and they follow. You get the same sort of thing going on as he leads and takes his sheep out. Verse 9, for example. You come in and out through me and, and, and in and out and it's through me that you find pasture. That's, that's where shepherds lead. We're going to sing Psalm 23 in a minute. And, and you're literally going to sing about a shepherd who leads you out to find green pastures. The nourishment you need. The peace and security and comfort that you need. Still waters so that you can, can drink. Or... Even if you find yourself in the valley of the shadow of death. The shepherd hasn't abandoned you. The shepherd hasn't left you. The shepherd hasn't left you in this valley, but instead is, is leading you through it. The shepherd leads his people out to where they have nourishment and safety and, and care and food and water and, and more. He also provides protection for his sheep. We'll sing again Psalm 23 is of, of rod and staff, sort of instruments of, of safety and protection, of steering sheep away from danger, of, of beating things up. David talks about King David when he was still Shepherd David. Talks about having to fight off big, giant, scary animals that wanted to destroy his sheep. And again, how does this 
good, how does Jesus, how is Jesus the good shepherd? Not only does he know his sheep, not only does he lead his sheep, but he also does something. And again, this is where the economy of God's kingdom is upside down from our world. It's the meek that inherit the earth, not the strong that step on everybody. If you want to be first, be last. If you want to be honored, be humble. If you want to save your sheep, die. That doesn't seem to fit the... Wait a minute, I thought we need the shepherd here. I thought we needed the shepherd very much alive with weapons in the hand. And if the shepherd died, then what on earth is going to happen to the sheep? Because now they're left exposed. They're left with nobody to care for them. They're left with nobody to protect them. In verse 11, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. That seems backwards. That seems like not the way to care for this flock. We need the shepherd around to fight off the bad people, to fight off the bad, the imposter shepherds, to fight off the big, scary animals. It's that that scene in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe when the white witch kills Aslan. And immediately, all her minions take off running. And you know exactly where they're going. Because in her mind and in their mind, we just killed the one person, the one creature that can actually protect all those people. And with him out of the way, that army, Aslan's army, is as good as dead. She knew the deep magic from the dawn of time. But what she didn't know was the deeper magic from before the dawn of time. That when Christ lays down his life for the sheep, it is actually by his death and his resurrection that as he turns back, as he undoes the effects of sin in this world, that saves his sheep. That guards and protects them. That ensures and unassures their delivery at the last day. Jesus doesn't come to just be a role model. It's not enough to look at this passage and go, oh, well, Jesus says that we should be willing to lay down our lives for the, the people that follow us. We should be willing. Well, that's true. But he actually had to do it. He actually had to die in order to deliver his people. That, that's the beauty of the gospel is that Christ died so that we don't have to. Okay, yes, we, our bodies die. We, we die the first death, but not the second death in Revelation 20. It's his death that delivers us from that permanent separation from him for all eternity. It's not just that, that Jesus experienced physical death, but it's that he suffered the punishment that our sin deserves. It's not just that Christ died in place of us. He died instead of us. That's what makes him the good shepherd. His death spares our lives. Our life is rescued because his wasn't. Our life is delivered because his wasn't. Our life is spared because his 
wasn't. Jesus proves himself to be the good shepherd, not just by knowing and leading and protecting his sheep, but also by making himself the sacrificial lamb. Let me make just a couple of applications from this passage. First, I want you to notice something. Uh, Notice something about the pen in verse 1 and in verse 16. The pen is the church. The sheepfold is the church. Well, technically in verse 1, it's, it's Israel. And the implication is that there are sheep in Israel, in Israel itself, some of whom belong to Jesus and some don't. But then he also goes on in verse 16 to say, well, there's some other sheep that belong in this flock and they aren't there yet. And he is going to get them. And clearly that's Gentiles. Clearly that's bringing the nations into the flock. But pay attention. There's one pen. There's one sheepfold. There's not two. There's not one for Israel and one for the Gentiles. There's not, well, Israel is special. And then we have the Gentiles. And then we have to get back to the special people again. It's one pen. It's one group. It's one flock. Jesus even says exactly that in verse 16. So there will be not two flocks, not Israel and the church, one flock. All behind one shepherd. A second application. Uh, Notice that Jesus as the door is the only access to the pen. The only way in is through Jesus. The only way to become a part of the flock of God is to trust in Christ. If you haven't trusted in the good shepherd as your substitutionary lamb, if you haven't put your faith and trust in him uh, this morning, you're still outside the pen. You don't belong to Christ. Let me urge you to trust in him today. A a third application. This passage has implications for pastors and elders, the, the people that we would choose to be our under shepherds, our vice shepherds here at Grace Covenant. You should select people. You should select men who will care for you as Jesus does. Not someone who wants glory or name recognition or a title or who is in it for himself. And lastly, let me just encourage you with this reality. Those who belong to Christ have his love, his care, his protection all the days of your life. Wherever you find yourself. And that's the beauty of singing Psalm 23. Because in Psalm 23, you go to some really great places and some really not great places. What's your hope? What's your comfort? Well, it's that I don't evaluate my relationship to Jesus by my circumstances. My circumstances don't tell me Jesus loves you or Jesus quit loving you. Because you see the dark road you're walking? Clearly Jesus gave up on you. Now we, we judge our relationship with Christ by His promises, by His Word, and we have His protection, His love, His care all the days of our life. Would you pray with me? Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your faithfulness to us, Your love and care that You 
know us intimately and personally and and yet you don't turn up your nose at us. You love us. Uh, you know us and you call to us and you've given us your voice. Father, would you give us ears to hear the voice of our Savior, to hear the voice of our shepherd, to distinguish between the imposter shepherds and the true shepherd, to distinguish between between the one true shepherd of the sheep and those who would um, seek our uh, destruction rather than our good. And would you use us to point others, to invite others into the flock of Christ? We ask it all this in Jesus' name. Amen.